0: Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Oh my God, Megan. We're back. Welcome back. <laughs> it is so good to see you here in the pod room.
1: Um, very exciting. One week since you looked at me. <laughs> yeah, it's been
0: a long time. It's been a whole like month. It's been a month. It's been a month. And well, I didn't see you for a whole month. It was weird. It was strange. Yeah. I we, think at one point you were like, Hey Jen. Um, I miss you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was like, okay, don't be weird.
1: <laughs> but I miss you too. <laughs> don't be a weirdo. Yeah. We went to a lot of places.
0: Yeah. And we went all around. You did. You went all around for a couple weeks. But then we came back and we recorded. Yeah. So everybody knows about my stuff, but That's your true. stuff. Hey, you went to the other side of the Grand Canyon.
1: I did. You went Grand Canyon East or whatever. And uh-huh. I went Grand Canyon West.
0: And you got me a shirt.
1: I did. And it's it was perfect.
0: Amazing. I should I, be wearing it right now.
1: I saw it in the gift shop, and I was like, "Oh my god, Jen would really love that."
0: Yeah, it's your favorite kind of style too. Yeah, and I saw I saw some
1: listeners while I was on my trip. Of course, I saw Cat.
0: Mm-hmm. Hi, Cat.
1: <laughs> uh, we sent you some videos.
0: I did. That, those were amazing. Amazing Thank you for that. Uh,
1: I also saw Ashley Ann. Uh huh. And I discovered that people who I didn't know were listening to our podcast are listening to our podcast who I know.
0: That is so
1: cool. And I was like, what?
0: And And they wanted to meet me.
1: They did. They were like, Jen is super cool.
0: I love that. (laughs) I love you guys.
1: Um, Yeah. So I just want to give a really quick shout out to Jocelyn because she finished her PhD. She's getting a job and she's like doing all the things. It's not it's not our kind of science, but it is like occupational therapy style, like muscles. and things.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. You did the thing.
1: Yeah, and she and I worked together in Uh Hawaii. And I was like, I can't believe you listen to our show. She was like, I listen every week. I was like, holy crap.
0: And she's smart. And she's smart. So that means that smart people listen to us. That's right. I don't know what's wrong with them. (laughs) Sorry. Are you guys okay? (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Big congratulations, Sarah. Um, You went to, you did some roller derbying. I I did not
1: personally roller derby, but I did watch a lot of roller Mm -hmm. derby. Uh, because I have not personally roller derbyed in like three years, And but you I did would, some skating around. I did do some skating around. Right, it was glorious.
0: I'm really happy for you. If yeah. only, if only we had a skating rink here on Guam. We
1: need to get that together. Get it together, Guam.
0: That's your job. Megan's going to do that. She's going <laughs> to make it. it happen. It's She's going to start be... her own roller derby. It's going to be like her and like three others. <laughs> just a mat, <laughs> just a rolling mat. That's that's fine. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'll come watch. That's awesome! I'll support. I love it. So, um, so yeah, you you got to see a lot of family. You did a lot of great things, but okay. we're just glad that we back. made it
1: back. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes.
0: I'm really glad. So now it took us a little while to get into um, our pod lab. It's true. Adjustment. They were like, it's it's a pod room. It's a pod room. It sounds cooler if it's a lab since right. we're like unrenowned biologists. We're in here with white coats and just
1: speakers, <laughs> Erlenmeyer flasks. <laughs>
0: Yes, <laughs> that would be so cool. Anyway, it's it took us a little while. We apologize, mm-hmm. but we're back. We're gonna do do the things, all the things. We have more stories. We have so many ideas that Some you ideas. sent us. So many people sent us. Yes, thank you. Keep sending us stories.
1: Do it because when time.
0: we like can't think of something, then we're like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? And then we get all the cool ideas. So. We did ask our patrons Mm -hmm. and we got a really cool story, which I'm going to do on our next episode.
1: I'm stoked. I kind of know what it is. It is so
0: interesting. (laughs) I cannot wait. I'm just excited to talk about it. But anyway, it's going to be amazing. I have some science news.
1: I'm ready to hear your science news. Let's do it.
0: Probably some people already know about this and it's a little Mm -hmm. short, but this is actually pretty recent. This is from, it's in Nat Geo Mm -mm. from July 29th, which is just like last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So... I'm not sure if you knew, but something's been canceled and it's murder hornets. Oh, they have been canceled because it's a not nice name.
1: Oh, the name. I was like, wow, they eradicated (laughs) them. That's amazing.
0: No, so they did call them Asian giant hornets. Yes. And when they first came to the Pacific Northwest in 2020 and it was like all over the news, everyone's like murder hornets. And you're just picturing some like 1940s, like giant yeah. Yeah. insect movie. A huge cloud of gi- and they're just like coming down at you like nee! or just oh, giant ones or a giant one. like yeah, the yeah, size yeah. of a car yeah. or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was I guess it worked because everybody heard about it. But it also was like
1: Rude. a little much
0: <laughs> Right. And people started killing hornets and wasps all over the place, not knowing Mm -hmm. what the species were. So all this like public fear and craziness, which people love the actual scientists that study wasps and hornets and, you know, those cool um, stinging insects, stinging insects (laughs) that we love. They actually renamed it. Oh, good. So no longer the murder hornet or the Asian giant hornet. It is now known as the Northern giant hornet. Oh. Yes. That's its new common name. So All right, file then. that away. So they said that both the terms are scientifically accurate if you talk about the Asian giant hornet or mm. the Northern giant hornet. But they said that it's like... All these wasps come from Asia. Mm-hmm. So it's, they said it's comparable to calling like a whale, an ocean whale. I get or it. Or something like that. Right. Like yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. redundant.
1: Like Earth people. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> We're the Earth humans. We're the, earth, the terrestrial humans. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they say that hornets are a problem because they devour murder. I mean, they do murder mm-hmm. other a variety of smaller insects.
1: mm they prey on them, Jen.
0: They do, and they love to attack honeybee colonies, oh. which is really crappy. And they do it by decapitating them. Oh wow! And then they steal their larvae for food. Okay,
1: I mean, I get it. I get it. Murder is not a nice name to put on an animal, but mm-hmm. also, I mean,
0: I mean, it? that's pretty hardcore. It's pretty close. Yeah, I get I, it though. Um, scientific name is Vespa mandarinia.
1: You, that was great
0: mandarinia thank i know you. about
1: i know about vespa species because we have yeah a vespa species here
0: the banded yeah the, uh, the greater
1: banded greater one. banded thank yeah. you
0: thank you yeah Which
1: i have the problem i have caught one of those in my hat just fyi when i was on a small hiking excursion for work with a mm-hmm. colleague who was very lost and i, I walked <laughs> I you know, know the story you know this is the story your worst some people worst know worst hiking story worst hiking story ever <laughs> never going with that person again Anyway, oh moving on. <laughs> <It was> a- <laughs> I walked through a spider's nest because spiders are a problem here. No birds. Yeah. Uh walked through a spider's nest and I guess one of them had gotten caught and I thought it was the spider and I pulled it off my hat and it was the hornet. And I was like, Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean big, it was
0: dead though. So big nests of them in places. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's they're huge. It's a problem here. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, they submitted the name, this new name to the entomological that was great. <laughs> a rough time i mean it's been a while in society of america and they were like sounds good let's do it let's do it i like that so there you go i mean there's really not much more Mm -hmm. other than they're still trying to suppress it eradicate it or control Mm -hmm. but it has now been given a better like a nicer name a nicer common name a not so mean name even though they are pretty hardcore they're pretty hardcore they should just call them that hardcore wasps yeah it's like that that video i sent you with that comedian tony baker oh my god I where he this. was talking about monkeypox. he's like why <sighs> you gotta call it monkeypox? it just sounds so like you know monkeys Rough. like throw poo and like act crazy yeah. he's like why can't you call it like golden retriever pox or something nice you know <laughs> so like, like yeah. panda pox or
1: <laughs> i feel like if you got panda pox you would just like sleep a lot it would just be like a sleeping sickness
0: you would just like eat some bamboo and pass out
1: that's right yeah Ooh, side note speaking of sleeping sickness uh-huh. I watched the entire series of Sandman on Netflix and it is good
0: it's Sandman good.
1: yeah should watch it
0: is that like the movie Sandman that was like really creepy I mean it is a little bit creepy but no
1: no no not like that
0: yeah okay I'll good. check it out it's pretty All good. Right, do. I liked it so I'm excited for a story, Megan. Are you I'm here for it. I'm physically here to hear the story. I'm here for it. Here Are you here. ready? Are yes. you ready?
1: All right. So uh, one of the places that I went to on my trek across the continent was with of my the child. United yes. States. With my child. Um, so we went to Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say where my brother lives. No one go stalk him, please. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to a number of places within Portland. Side note, I did get uh, the COVID
0: mm, despite
1: yes. wearing masks and all the things. Yes. But um, it's difficult to avoid it at this point in time if you were going to travel. So consider that. Consider travel might not be the best thing, right? now. <laughs> yeah. Take it from me. Yes. All right. So after a number of days just... Hiding in a separate room from everybody and getting over the COVIDs and testing negative. Mm-hmm. We went to Astoria where they filmed Goonies. And then we watched Goonies in a theater in Astoria. And oh. it, was, it was great. Oh it was yes. so touristy and I loved every moment of it. Uh, we stayed at this the Astoria River, Riverside Inn, I think is
0: what it was called. Uh-huh.
1: It sounds really quaint. Let me just say it. We thought it was going to fall into the river. Like
0: <laughs> It was it was like 100%. It was like Peace Corps style. <clears throat>
1: it was different. It was a different okay. kind of like the floor actually changed levels in just a one floor room. Wow. Like it was different. Yeah. Uh, but nice. They were nice. Free breakfast. So oh, there you go. Worked out. Anyway, one of the coolest places that we went to that I thought was also kind of hilarious yes. was this place called uh, Cape Disappointment.
0: Wow. I'm not joking. With you. That is actually like a name of a place. I go there sometimes in my mind.
1: In <laughs> <laughs> your mind. But I was, my brother was like, let's go. We're going to go, you know, up the coast. We're going to see Because we went to Cannon Beach and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And
0: Look, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. So disappointed.
1: <laughs> I was like, this is what, is this a real? He's like, it's absolutely real. Let's go. It's actually in Washington state. So uh, okay. we did kind of like. Because you're right. I mean, a story is like right there. You so cross the bridge suck? It's like right there. Um, It was so beautiful. OK, that is one thing I will say about the Pacific Northwest. Oh,
0: yeah. It's so beautiful.
1: So beautiful. That's what
0: I'm saying. But did it. Was it just like you go there thinking oh. it's going to be beautiful, but it's just a big disappointment?
1: Oh, no, no, it was. Okay. I, I That's the thing is we got there and I was like, this is who would be disappointed by this? So stupid. So let me tell you a little bit about. Cape Disappointment,
0: Jen. Okay, let me hear it.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so Cape Disappointment is at the extreme southwestern corner of Washington State. And it's on the north side of the Columbia River Bar, just west of a place called Baker Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point of the Cape is located in, I'm sorry, on the Pacific Ocean in Washington's Pacific County. And it is two miles southwest of the town of, and I cannot remember how to pronounce this, illawaco It's like I-L-Waco. <laughs> okay but it's like that I'm not saying it right so this place is one of the foggiest places in the world I think in the U.S. maybe not the world it sees 2,552 hours of fog a year that's 106 days wow yeah and while we were there we did see fog it was actually really pre- I mean it's very sunny because mm-hmm. you know July uh beautiful weather Mm-hmm. but we did uh, we saw fog just kind of like swirling around there's a lot of wind it was very cold
0: wow. for me I mean
1: I think for other people there they were like this is a nice summer day and I was like
0: this is <laughs> <freezing."> Yeah, <laughs> it was I nice see? I went to Washington and it yeah. was beautiful it's this time of year it's so nice we went on so many hikes and
1: I never got red in the face which is not a normal thing for no me. no so I yeah. was like this is very nice all right so the original name for this place is the Chinook name Kaisi? I think I'm saying that right. Kaise, K-A-H apostrophe E-E-S-E.
0: That sounds, yeah.
1: Yeah. But if we're talking about colonizer names, which Kat okay. definitely did some colonizer singing with me, so I uh-huh. will do it for her. Here it comes. <laughs> the colonizers. <laughs> it uh, was first called San Roque by uh-huh. a Spanish explorer named Bruno de... It's either Hesite,
0: Hecata. Okay.
1: Heseta. Okay. Heseta.
0: Perfect. Perfect.
1: H E C E T A. Okay. And he was exploring the Northwest Coast in August of 1775. And I read another account that he named it Bahia de la Asuncion, which means the Bay of the Assumption, which seems a little more Spanish to me.
0: Mm, Yeah. It has some religious connotations.
1: Yeah. Um, At the time, he was like, oh, this is actually like a mouth of a river, like we should totally go explore this, but it's really shallow there. There's a lot of like um, sandbars. shoal. Mm -hmm. I think it's Shoal. Anyway, but he couldn't go
0: because all of
1: his crew, all of his crew had scurvy.
0: Like they do. (laughs) Like
1: they do in 1775. So they were too weak. They couldn't go explore. He was like, we'll be back one day. It's fine. They didn't come back, but (laughs) 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 probably they didn't make it. They didn't
0: make it. They were out looking for some Oranges. That's right. A few years
1: later, about thirteen years later or so, there's this guy, Lieutenant John Mears. He's in the British Royal Navy, and he's using the navigational chart that the other guy, Bruno, I can't say his last name correctly, that he made. Uh huh. And he's like, "Let's go find this place, Sandrope," which again, I'm not entirely sure if that's what he named it. Wait, so they, John
0: Mears, M U I R S?
1: Oh no, M E A R E S.
0: Okay. I thought it was one of our
1: other guys from our other stories. Okay, go ahead. Um, He is a lieutenant in the British Royal Navy. Okay, So he gets to the Cape. He explores it. And he's like, this is just a bay. And feeling super let down, Jen, he renames it Cape Disappointment, or this is even better, Deception Bay.
0: Deception Bay, because you're so deceiving.
1: He was deceived by the earth. But actually, it it was a mouth of a river. He's
0: like, folder dash.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, he, of course, didn't explore far enough or he would have realized like, oh, this is a massive river. Wow. JK. It really is a great place. So
0: I don't know. Sounds like a lot of guys I know when they get lost or can't find their way somewhere. They're like, this isn't it. This is dumb. This is stupid. This is not right. This map is wrong. (laughs) 100 Uh percent. Captain Robert
1: Gray. Later went uh, across the bar, so he actually made it in. This is in 1792, so a few years after that. And they went through on a ship called the Columbia Red de Viva. Okay. So this guy, Captain Gray, and his crew members, they made it th- across this ba- this bar area where all of these like sandy areas are, where ships basically just crash a lot. They like end up not being able to make it down because it's too shallow. Uh huh. But they do it. Um, They anchor in Baker Bay and then they spend a lot of time trading goods with the Chinook Indians, uh, native peoples who live there in that region. Um, And the river was named in honor of that first passage. So that's the Columbia River.
0: Okay. Okay. Which you cross over from Portland when you go into Washington. Correct. Yeah. That's the bridge.
1: Correct. It's beautiful, the bridge. It
0: is. It's very beautiful.
1: All right. So, like I had mentioned, in this area at Cape Disappointment, it's pretty shallow and there's a lot of problems in terms of like shipwrecks.
0: Okay. Okay. Because they just hit the the sandbar.
1: And it's like they're, yeah. yeah. And actually kind of like a side note, we did go to see this house in Astoria in Goonies. You see it. It's like where Mikey's dad works, like he's at the museum, quote unquote. Okay. And um <clears throat> I, the name of the house is totally escaping me right now. But basically there was this captain who was like the only person who could traverse this the area. One-eyed Willie. <laughs> it was one-eyed Willie. <laughs> um, no, but he essentially was like such a great captain that he built the town of Astoria. He made it better. Okay. Because he was so prosperous with this captaining of ships and sh- anyway.
0: And his Moving name was on. William,
1: and he had one eye <laughs> and a lot of jewels. <laughs> rich stuff, rich stuff. All right, uh, no, so yeah, a lot of a lot of boats don't make it really; well. they ground mm-hmm. in this area. So, because of that, there are a lot of emergencies that have happened. And the very first U.S. Life Saving Service Station—Whoa, that's a, was a mouthful! Lot. Yeah, uh, was at Cape Disappointment. It was built in 1877. And it was put on the site of a previous fort. There's this fort there called Fort Canby. And I'm so sorry. I didn't actually look up information about Fort Canby because I didn't really care. It doesn't pertain to this story. It's just a fort. It's just a fort. So, yeah, it was manned by volunteers for a while. And then they had like someone who was actually paid to stay there. So that was cool. And then in 1915, um, they merged with the Revenue Cutter Service and they formed the United States Coast Guard. Yeah. And the existing station was first occupied in February 1967 and is currently at Cape Disappointment. And you can see it as you go to this lighthouse. So I'm going to talk a little bit about like the different places we went while we were there and Mm -hmm. what we saw. We did actually see the Coast Guard station. They also apparently have a National Motor Lifeboat School that's at that station as well. So cool. I don't know. All right. So fun fact. Also, November 7th, 1805, Clark from the great Lewis and Clark expedition.
0: Oh, yeah, that guy.
1: Yeah, arrived to the mouth of the Columbia River. And I'm sorry, not the mouth. They were like a little bit further back from Cape Disappointment, but he saw basically the Columbia River and he was like, holy shit, we made it to the ocean. But it wasn't. It was the river. Right. And he apparently wrote in his journal, great joy in camp. We are in view of the ocean, this great Pacific ocean, which we've been so long anxious to mm-hmm. see and the roaring or noise made by the waves breaking on the rocky shores, as I suppose may be heard distinctly. Hmm. Such flowery language. It is. It all is. <laughs> but like I said, he wasn't actually looking at the ocean. He was looking at the Columbia oops, <laughs> Columbia River Estuary. And they did do another eight days of paddling. They finally landed on the north side, climbed Cape Disappointment, which at the time was not called Cape, Cape Disappointment. Uh, and then they saw the ocean. OK. And then he put, of course, as all colonizers do, an American flag right on the spot. He, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Just in case the Chinook and other Native tribes that were there didn't know, yeah, he's like America. <clears throat> Done. All right, moving on. So, like I said, there's a lot of cool stuff to see at Cape Disappointment. They have they call it like a, an interpretive center, but it's like a mini museum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. You pay, you can pay like five bucks. I went to the bathroom and saw some of it, <laughs> so I didn't pay five dollars, but I did buy some patches. So
0: you're like, can I use your bathroom? Yeah, yeah, I just want to. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Just go to the bathroom. <clears throat> go to the gift shop. Yeah. Done deal. Done, done, done.
1: They have some a number of trails. There are some bunker ruins of a place called Battery Harvey Allen. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I read that correctly, but it's basically a bunker that housed three six-inch guns from 1906 until after World War II. And I'm like, six-inch guns? Just like small <laughs>
0: Like, I wait is I'm that the diameter something. like in like radius oh maybe that makes more sense because i'm like that sounds yeah, like tiny little guns <laughs> just <laughs> this
1: huge bunker
0: and just, like, just like little tiny like yosemite just, sam <laughs> yeah. like guns like come out yes just 22 it's fine <laughs> just, but yeah that way that makes
1: <laughs> so much more sense that they were six inch like cannons or something like diameter yeah diameter thank you this is why we're friends, <laughs> because I'm just, like, I, I just don't fill in the
0: gaps, <clears throat> the confusion gaps.
1: So this interpretive center has like photographs, artifacts, journal entries from the Lewis and Clark expedition. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're there, go check it out. But one of the coolest places that we visited was a place called A Dead Man's Cove.
0: Is that in the Goonies? Is that the actual? It's
1: not in the Goonies. It's
0: not the name of the thing? The no. Cave or whatever? No, no, no. Okay.
1: No. Okay, let me just say one thing about visiting a place when you are like, you've watched that movie a bunch. And yes. If you haven't, you guys should go listen to that Age 12, their episode on the Goonies. It was great. Mm-hmm. But one thing you don't realize is that like, okay, there's the house they were in. There's the beach, right? That's like a freaking two hour. I mean, it's not two hours, but it's a long drive away. It's really far away.
0: But these kids just rode their bikes They're in short... like five minutes. <laughs> I was like, I feel duped, you guys.
1: <laughs> also, the house that they lived in and the museum are not down the hill from each Like they would have to go across the town and back. It's okay. <sighs> anyway.
0: It's a movie. It bothered
1: me. It bothered me. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, we went to Dead Man's Cove. So you can go from that interpretation center. There's kind of like a parking area. You walk up the hill, you see like there, the museum stuff, the fort. Mm -hmm. And then there's a trail that's about 0.3 miles. And it gets you to this place called Dead Man's Cove. On one side of the hill, kind of, you can see the ridge. You can see the uh, Coast Guard place, base, operation. I don't know. Coast Guard place. On the other side of the ridge is Dead Man's Cove. And you take this, okay, in some travel guides, it was like a nice set of stairs. And I was like, no, okay, no. These stairs, I was like, no one who is not physically able <laughs> to do certain things should go down these stairs. They were like these creepy kind of, they were Rickety- all wooden. Rackety, they, slippery.
0: They were like broken. built into the
1: earth. But oh, yeah, yeah, it was like very slidey. It's very sandy over there. It's very sandy over there. So it was like we... It was kind of, you know, my, of course, my son just ran down them.
0: Those are called deception stairs. A
1: hundred percent. I was disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) So, but there's this uh, beautiful cove. Uh It has some, you know, kind of like big boulders in there. Of course, my child took off his shoes and rolled up his pants And went for it. And went for it. Yeah. There were people swimming there. I was like, you people are nuts. It was like so cold. 20
0: degrees. Yeah. I sat
1: in kind of the sun, but not too much direct sun, but just enough to warm my feet. Yeah. It was beautiful. Anyway. So we sat there for a little bit. Some people beach there. Oh, the coolest thing about that place is there's so much driftwood. And I immediately thought of Curtis.
0: Oh yeah. 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 From you're just like Putting it in a bag. I'm just
1: like, can I take this bag with me? She's trying to we're mail just, it. We're just mailing it. I'm just mailing this to Tennessee. It's fine. No big deal. I know yeah. someone
0: who can do some stuff with this. Let me tell you.
1: Uh, so Curtis, if you have a chance, if you haven't, you should go to <laughs> Dead Man's Cove. Get you some driftwood for yes. Built on the Rock because it is, there's so much. And people build like little forts and stuff with it. It's cute. That's cool. Yeah. Downside is there are no bathrooms anywhere around there. You so. can just build
0: yourself a little...
1: You could. A little bathroom, little bathroom shack. hut. Yeah. yeah. A lot of crows and ravens, I think. I'm not good with those kind of, but yeah, corvids all mm-hmm. over the place. So you go back up the stairs and then up the hill about 0. 0.3 miles is this lighthouse, the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And There are actually two lighthouses in that area. This is the one that we went to go visit. Okay. It's nice. You can't go inside, which I was very disappointed about. It's a working lighthouse, though. Oh. So, probably that's why you can't go inside. They're like, stay the hell out. We actually work here. <laughs> we actually do stuff with this. Yeah. Um, Because so, Pete's Dragon lives in that one. Yes. yes. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. Yes. It is the oldest lighthouse that is still in use on the West Coast. Oh. It's 53 feet high and it was built in 1856. And uh, they say, quote, to cut the appalling frequency of shipwrecks on the Columbia River Bar. Just FYI, this area, it's part of the Columbia River Bar and kind of north. Mm -hmm. is part of this area called the Graveyard of the Pacific, which we'll talk a little bit about.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And in fact, the ship that brought materials to build the lighthouse in 1853 sank with its cargo uh, two miles offshore. So
0: so people just didn't like they didn't catch on. (laughs) <laughs> but
1: nobody, no, it still happens to this day, Jen. Really? Oh, yeah. Aww. It's a problem. On our way out, we saw a sign for Waikiki Beach. And I was like, hold on a minute. I was like, absolutely not.
0: Was it like 2000 some miles <laughs> right? away? It's
1: like, when it, it like New York this way, Chicago, Waikiki mm-hmm. Beach. No, it's actually, they called it Tiny Waikiki Beach. It is a very popular spot to have picnics. And apparently it received its name when a Hawaiian sailor who had died in a shipwreck uh, the body washed up on the shore and they named it Waikiki Beach and i don't know if i should be if it's like offensive or like I'm like in did memoriam. they know where
0: he was from was he from like, how did
1: they know he was hawaiian so i guess the ship that he was on had wrecked in 1811 and then his body washed up on shore
0: oh well, that's sad mm-hmm. it is yeah
1: it is sad. I mean, actually, maybe
0: in all good like they they were trying to pay homage to him by yeah. calling it you know maybe he was from waikiki but also was waikiki
1: beach a thing in 1811 i don't even know we sh- i, I should so. look that up oh my god probably i hope so yeah i hope they didn't like wait many years later and then they're like oh it's called waikiki beach anyway that would be lame i will also mention that dead man's cove there were dead men that washed up there as well of course but that's why it's called dead man's Cove. i wonder actually if there were more that washed up there because it was kind of a narrow cove maybe it was just like
0: so from the lighthouse to like got another one <laughs> yeah uh, 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 i'm laughing but it's, it's awful it's, it's awful all right so all
1: around this area is known as long beach peninsula it runs for almost 30 miles that's 45 kilometers um and it is claimed to be the longest beach in the united states And this is an awful thing to say, but someone said it, the world's largest drivable beach. Okay, let me just say something about real quick. Let me just, I don't know, be angry at Oregon for a minute, Washington State. People drive on the beaches there and I don't like it. I remember I saw it in Goonies. They have a big like four wheeler beach Mm -hmm. thing on Cannon Beach. Stop driving your cars on the beach, you guys. It's not cool.
0: Yeah, it's not cool. It's not.
1: Also, when we were at Cannon Beach, there was this giant thing, this giant flock of pelicans, and they were amazing. And I was like, so I were just watching them for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And there were all these dogs running around on the beach and someone let their dogs go run after the pelicans. And they all flew away. And I was really upset about it. my brother was upset about it. Not cool, bro.
0: Come on, people. Come on. We're trying to see the
1: wildlife. Just Your see, dog is cute. Just, just keep the it wildlife
0: leech.
1: be. Yeah. So kind of in between, like I said, in between that lighthouse and the Dead Man's Cove and the, all the things there. There's that U.S., the U.S. Coast Guard station. Okay. Um. So this station, like a, it's the oldest one that's been there forever and ever. They're all of the crew members who live and work there. They respond to 300 to 400 calls for assistance every year. Holy That's crap. basically
0: like one a day. <laughs> More than one a
1: day. Yeah. And it's actually one of the most active Coast Guard search and rescue divisions, obviously. Mm-hmm. One of the crew members, former crew members there, uh, wrote a book. It's called Life and Death at Cape Disappointment, colon, Becoming a Surfman on the Columbia River Bar. His name is Christopher J. D'Amelio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess like Charlie Demilio, but not related. You know, like the TikTok star.
0: Oh, no, I don't.
1: Oh, Okay, there's a TikTok star, some girl. Anyway, moving on. And there were some things that were on like the Amazon page that were I thought were kind of interesting little quotes. Uh, The ocean is one of the few untamed places on Earth, unpredictable and unsympathetic to the lives lost there. For this reason, people remain fascinated by its tides, currents and mysteries. Life and death at Cape Disappointment is the author's firsthand account of life as a surfman at one of the Coast Guard's most dangerous stations, Cape Disappointment
0: you will not be disappointed
1: <laughs> you will not be disappointed <laughs> yeah cape disappointment is one of the most notorious coast guard units in the pacific coast its area of responsibility referred to as the quote graveyard of the pacific
0: yeah very uh yeah very intense
1: it says that during his time at that station, he, I guess, went on 2,200 hours of underway time uh-huh. uh, doing search and rescue, and he earned a reputation as one of the most skilled boat handlers in the Coast Guard. He worked on and supervised over 430 search and rescue cases.
0: Crazy. I don't so think- they call them surfmen?
1: I guess they call them surfmen. That's pretty cool. I know. Like, do they surf? Okay, because this was me. I was like... How am I going mean, to say they're like Coast Guardsmen? Like, what, what do you call them? I don't even know. Surfmen. Yeah, surfmen. I like that. Yeah,
0: it's kind of cool. Not seamen, that's well, because that's Navy.
1: Yeah, because they're not out at sea. They're they're in the surf.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, kind of. I mean, they do go out in their cutters. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, the area of responsibility for this station, mm-hmm.
0: the AOR.
1: Yes, Jen, the AOR. Mm-hmm. It goes from Ocean Park on the Washington coast side, and then it goes. South to Tillamook Head on the Oregon coast. So that's south of Cannon Beach. Okay. So that whole area. Uh, They have nine search and rescue boats, including a 52 foot or 16 meter motor lifeboat Triumph. I guess that's the name of it. Two 47 foot or 14 meter um, lifeboats and two 29 foot or 8.8 meter Defender class response boats. And they've all been designed for operations in heavy surf conditions. And all of them, which I think is super cool, are totally capable of being rolled over by breaking swells. And then they will right themselves with minimal damage. Oh,
0: but just imagine. Just imagine. Yeah, but good. (laughs) But good, yeah. But no thanks.
1: I think this is like the place that if you're in the Coast Guard, it is where you want to go. It's like the number one location. Like if you're hardcore,
0: that's the hardcore place. It's it's, it's place. basically the top gun of Coast Guard. A thousand percent. Yes. And
1: it totally makes me think of that
0: movie with Kevin Costner.
1: I swear he's like a Coast Guard, like whatever commandant. In yeah, because the they go into the
0: helicopters, right? Yes. And that's how you know it's Coast Guard. That's they how do you know. the helicopter rescues. Yes. Oh, what was that movie?
1: It was so good. I I, I, I remember it. I, I really want to go back and watch it. It's either like in Maine or it's here. It's, it's got to be. Yeah. It was like really cold.
0: Which, I mean... Somebody tell us the name of that movie. So good, so good.
1: Anyway, we talked about the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse, but also less than two miles to the northwest is this place called North Head Light, which is another lighthouse that helps for the Columbia River Bar protection area for ships. And like I mentioned, this is one of the most treacherous river bars in the world because, I think I said it twice already now, maybe three times, Graveyard of the Pacific... Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about it. So during winter storms in this area, swells can reach a height of 20 to 30 feet. That's six to nine meters at the entrance of the bar. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people will come during that season to watch the waves because they're just so crazy impressive. Uh So with the combination of those strong outgoing tides, the large incoming swells, the surf conditions that are in and around that area are just, I mean, I don't think I would want to surf that. Like, you definitely would die pretty immediately, but it's just a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. All right. So the Graveyard of the Pacific actually goes from the mouth of the Columbia River all the way up to the northern tip of Vancouver Island in Canada. Oh. Yeah. It's a very large area, but this is kind of the beginning of it. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of rocks down there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only that there are massive waves and really shallow areas. But also the weather is just kind of nuts and unpredictable. Like I mentioned, Cape Disappointment has like insane amounts of fog. So it's like super foggy, nasty weather conditions. I forgot about
0: the fog. Now (laughs) it's starting to come. Now it makes sense. Okay,
1: we were standing in Astoria. It's bright and sunny. You look out to the coast and I was like, is that fake? Like it didn't look real. It was like this huge fog bank.
0: Coming it's like from in the ocean. It's like Scooby-Doo when they cut the hole in yes. the fog. Like the, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, this cannot be re-. It was so unreal. It took a while for my eyes to adjust and like my brain to be like, that's an actual natural phenomena that you're witnessing right now. Right. It was nuts. That's weird. And that was summer. Mm. So I can't imagine wintertime. Side note, um, I did see a few bald eagles while we were there. So oh, cool. That was kind of neat.
0: America. And they're like, beep. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. So over time, from the Columbia River to the Strait of Juan de Fuca, there have been upwards of 2,000 shipwrecks and over 700 people have died in the last two centuries. Wow in this area. yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. Um, even even modern day, there are even with like technology, you can't account for some things and it's going to be pretty unpredictable. Um, I'm going to tell you about two wrecks before I get to the most notable wreck okay, this area. And we're doing top three. We're doing top three. <laughs> oh, nice. <clears throat> so the first one actually happened in 1999. This is the new Carissa. It was a bulk freighter. It was made in Japan and it was 195 meters long and it specialized in moving wood chips for paper pulp mills. It went along the North American coastline, oh, right. western coastline mm-hmm. in February of 1999 they headed to the Oregon coast. They were planning on picking up a load of wood chips. And during that time, February is like seems extreme like, weather. Seems like a bad time. <laughs> it's not the best time. Yeah. Um, and there will be, I mean, everybody's prepared for shipwrecks. It's like it's going to happen. The local pilots that were in the area told the ship, like, you can't come here. It's The weather's too bad for you to even dock. Mm-hmm. Like... You need to go drop anchor off of the coast and wait until the storms the weather have passed. And so the crew was like cool yeah yeah yeah. So they go out, they drop anchor, but like nobody started to notice that they were drifting. Uh,
0: like they I don't
1: think their anchor was like sufficiently stuck in the bottom of the, the ocean floor. The bottom
0: floor. The bottom. The bottom
1: floor. Not the, <laughs> the bottom floor. level.
0: Not the, <laughs> the bottom floor
1: <laughs> ocean, <laughs> the ocean floor. Close enough. It's ocean fine. Ocean floor, yeah. It wasn't Totally in the ground, in the Mm -hmm. ground, in the ground, whatever. It wasn't down there securely. And there was a huge amount of wind and it was just gradually pushing the ship closer and closer to land. And they didn't
0: notice because it was so damn foggy. It was
1: so foggy. It was probably like a lot of like movement on the boat. Uh They were just like playing cards and smoking cigars or something. I don't know. Yes. Waiting it out. Right. But by the time the movement was noticed, it was too late. Uh, It ran aground. Um, a few miles north of the bay and luckily nobody on board gets hurt oh good like this is kind of like a slow motion wreck right but the ship itself gets stuck and it got pretty significant damage and it ends up leaking fuel out into the water (gasps) causing a massive ecological disaster
0: oh no
1: yep so that is no good um they ended up not being able to get the ship out for a while so Mm -hmm. the Bad weather, constant bad weather, and then flooding of the ship itself uh, meant that it was just stuck there as a shipwreck. Um, and they even were like, maybe we should just leave it, and it could be like a tourist attraction. <laughs> like, and after true, all the oil I, and fuel right, leaks that, out, no big deal. It's true. I I saw a lot of shipwrecks like on the Oregon coast. There's like randomly pieces of ships that you can go and see. Wow, and some at Cape Disappointment. But anyway. It took them about nine years to finally decide that they were going to remove all of it. And then they removed all of it. Nine years. It took them.
0: Wow. Well, it's a lot. So that's more of
1: like a not great ecological disaster situation. Yeah. I don't know if these are necessarily top three, but that one's kind of like a modern day version.
0: It's a modern day. And also it's a real crappy one for wildlife. Yeah super yeah. crappy mm-hmm. yeah
1: in early november of 1875 there were two ships that collided
0: into each I other i was gonna ask with the with the fog yeah. did they just like run into each other
1: they just yeah this is kind of a nuts story so this is off the coast of washington state in vancouver island um there were about 275 people who ended up dying from this Ooh. shipwreck so there are two ships the first is the Pacific and the other is the orpheus and the pacific is a sidewheel steamer ship and it worked it was made in 1850 and it it worked um throughout the north american like north and central america coasts mm-hmm. and then it ended up moving up to the pacific northwest because there was a canadian gold rush that was happening in british columbia and so had spent a lot of time traveling around, moving people, goods, all this kind of stuff. And it was not in very good... It was in disrepair. Let's just say that. It was... It was aging out.
0: <laughs> it was, it was yeah. It was saggy. There were some concerns. There were some concerns. Well beyond its prime gin. Got it. Not doing well.
1: So it was going back to San Francisco from victoria british columbia Mm -hmm. and it had just left the strait of juan de fuca and went out into the open ocean and turned south and it was going to encounter the orpheus that's the other ship which just sounds like cooler
0: sounds bigger cooler the orpheus like out of my way i'm the orpheus and
1: the orpheus is traveling north Uh uh-huh and about 10 p.m is when they're going to have a a close encounter Jen. so the orpheus is like super aware of how dangerous everything is and they're making sure that they're checking everything whatever Mm -hmm. doing all the stuff they're supposed to do they see the lights of the pacific this other ship and they're like oh
0: good that's the lighthouse (gasps) did they not have foghorns yet Uh, right was there like 1875 no, I don't, a guy up there with a horn just, just like hey just we're like, a ship yeah, <laughs> just something not a lighthouse
1: so they think they're going towards headed directly towards a lighthouse they turn hard to port i don't remember which way is port is that right or left not sure they turn really hard i think it's right it, and where they turn is in the direct path of the pacific oh boy yeah um The ships actually struck one another and then quickly couldn't see each other. I guess they hit so hard, they just kind of like turned in opposite directions. Are
0: these like old wooden ships? Right. Well, and it's bad conditions. And I would think they would just mm. like crunch up into each other. Yeah. And just. Wouldn't wouldn't picture a lot of bouncing. Well, the
1: Orpheus actually had like no damage, like minimal damage. Oh. Yeah. Um, And they thought like, oh, cool. Probably that other boat is fine because we're fine. (laughs) but this is like an old steamer ship yeah on its last leg entirely demolished
0: oh man
1: yeah the the two survivors from the pacific said it was complete pandemonium the ship was already keeling heavily to the port side okay um it had been listing already in the beginning of the voyage jen
0: and how many people 200 200 some yeah that's so just, that's just some, um, that's, you know, this is why we have OSHA.
1: Yeah, this is why 1875.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> 1800s okay. in general or, or 19, early 1900s. So
1: it's listing really hard. Uh-huh. So the crew is like, okay, we got to fix this. They take all of their starboard lifeboats. So they, on the other side of the ship, they take all the boats and they move them over there to try and ca- counterbalance this boat list listing. Uh huh. Um, why
0: didn't they jump in them? I mean,
1: a lot of questions. Okay. Uh, so actually, the one the boats that were on the port side just uh, capsized into the water. Mm-hmm. They're like gone. Um, the ones that people could get into and tried to get the waves are too rough. They all capsized. People are just dying. Oh God. Yeah. After the listing had started, and they're trying to like right the ship. It began. It began to break up faster. Mm-hmm. Because it was like kind of splitting itself. <laughs> like there's all this water right. coming in on one side, and everybody's trying to put weight on the other side, and it's just kind of cracking down the middle.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in the collapse, it ends up cr- um, crushing a lifeboat. Only two people survived this shipwreck. It does make it the most deadly sinking that the graveyard of the Pacific has had to date. And none of the Orpheus' crews, like anybody on the Orpheus, they were all fine. And they continued north, like completely did- unaware. Of what was happening. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. And they actually missed their turn to make it into the strait because they just kept going. But anyway, the point is. Have a better ship. Have a better ship. Um, Also have like a maybe a plan to get into those lifeboats. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a theme. And our next story, which is going to be our story for today. Oh. Is the most notorious wreck in the grave of the Pacific. That is the wreck of the SS Valencia. So. The Valencia was a passenger steamer. It was built in 1882. It started out on the East Coast, sailing between New York and Latin America, Venezuela. Okay. So in much warmer climates. Yes. That's what it's used to. I think it was 100 foot long. I'm trying to remember what the dimensions are. I don't think I put it in here. It was kind of an awkward ship, though, and really slow. Like its highest speed was like 11 knots. And the way they designed the ship, it had three decks and it was kind of difficult to actually see past the front end of the ship for captains. Like, I don't know who I think they designed it to be kind of just like a slow passenger ship. Right. You know, it wasn't meant to be in rough. Like
0: don't be in a hurry.
1: Yeah. Don't be in a hurry. You're going down to South America. It's cool.
0: Yeah. Just take your time. Stay in chill water. Chill. Yeah.
1: So um, it was on that route from North, um, sorry, New York to Latin America for a number of years. And uh, apparently it was also used for a period of time in the Spanish-American War. I'm sorry, American-Spanish War Mm in 1897. It was fired upon at one point um, when it was going past Cuba, because I heard this on one of the things that I read or watched that it didn't put up its American flag. So in Cuba, they were like, oh, that's the enemy. And so they were like shooting at it. (laughs) but it survived nobody got hurt it was just kind of like got shot at
0: so was it maybe it was used as a merchant ship during oh, the possibly, war possibly possibly, yeah mm-hmm. Which, um, um we just talked about on our last uh we did our june patreon that's true yep by the start of 1898
1: the valencia had been transferred to the west coast and at some point i i heard this story that there was some fraudulent activity going on with the new owners that they were like, I don't know, trying to scam people out of money for tickets on the ship. And so it ended up that that person was like charged and then the ship was given to the U.S. government. So after it was given to the U.S. government, they did use it to transport troops from uh, the Western side of the United States to the Philippines and back. And then once they were turned to just like a passenger service, On the West Coast, people realize like, wow, this ship is really bad for this area. Like, it doesn't do well here. Uh Like I said, the wheelhouse, which is where the captain is, you know, with the wheel, turn in the ship and stuff.
0: Sure <laughs> the wheel is. It's the house of the wheel. Yeah.
1: It was too far back and low down on the deck. So yeah, it's just like it's like a low it's like a little granny in the wheelhouse like driving and just cannot see anything. Can't see it yeah. Yeah. And so you know, add that to fog, rough weather. It's a blah 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 blah. It's a things. bad combination. Yeah. And it goes really slow. And of course, like I said, it was intended for the East Coast and much calmer waters. And now at this point, it's pretty old. Like it's, again, a saggy ship. It's a little saggy ship. Listen,
0: there's nothing wrong with some saggy, (laughs) saggy business. And I guess some people
1: um, said that it was undesirable to sail on. Well, not their fault. Probably.
0: I mean, I've been on some undesirable ships (laughs) in the Pacific. I can think of one. I can think of one that was on its last leg. I remember thinking when you got on that ship, like... Am I going to see her again? (laughs) Like, oh, my God, there were so many
1: cockroaches. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, over time, it ended up being semi-retired. So they were like, let's not use this ship during the winter because it's just not going to do well. And we'll only use it if no other ship is available.
0: Oh,
1: right. I see where this is going. Yeah. So as fate would have it, Jen. Yes. Yes. In January of 1906, this is what happened. The Valencia. In January of 1906.
0: But I'm just saying, like the worst time (laughs) of year.
1: Yeah. There was supposed to be a ship called the SS City of Pueblo, Puebla. Um, But it was getting repairs done in January of 1906 in San Francisco. And so they were like, cool, get the Valencia, get that old girl from the back. It'll work. SS Valencia. The thing. Get her out of storage, dust her off. Uh-huh. Patch up those rat holes because she's about to go from San Francisco to Seattle with 164 people on board. Let's do Ew. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Passengers or passengers. Workers. Oh, passengers. Women
1: and children, Jen. Oh no. Yeah. Some men. There were some men. So the weather in San Francisco was beautiful. And they were like, great, great, great. Let's do it. Uh-huh. We're going to set sail. January 20th at 11.20 a.m., nine officers, 56 crew members, and 108 passengers aboard. So she passes Cape Mendocino. It's the early morning hours of January 21st. And the weather said, JK,
0: not going to be nice anymore. They did not have their weather app.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Visibility was low and there was a strong wind that started to blow from the southeast. And it was so overcast, they could not see the stars. And the ship's crew was forced to use what's called dead reckoning, which, can we come up with better sailing terms? My Wait, God. they were still
0: sailing with the stars? Yeah, they're oh, still sailing with the stars. Okay.
1: Well, and it's nighttime, so. And so they had to do this thing called dead reckoning, which is basically where, this is my understanding of it. And so if I am not explaining it right, you can, you know, explain so it's it like to the us. the name of a
0: movie. There has to be a I movie guaranteed. called Guaranteed. Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, but basically, they put this thing behind the ship they kind of it kind of trails um, and it has something attached to it. And then you kind of watch where that thing is. Like, I don't know if it's a bob or if it's just the line or what. And you calculate the angles. It's a very mm-hmm. precise way to sail. You have to do really good math. OK. 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 Let me tell you something about this
0: captain. He isn't good at math.
1: He's not good at math. Oh. And he's a little bit inexperienced. He's only been sailing for four years.
0: And he was super short, so it was even harder <laughs> to see over the steering wheel. <laughs> like that dashboard was too big. Yeah. So this
1: create this situation they're in. It's like you want a super experienced captain that's who's just real. been here a million times, good at
0: math and physics and all the things. Yeah. 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 But
1: this captain not so great.
0: Ooh, that's unfortunate. Yeah.
1: So they end up missing the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Mm-hmm. It's right before midnight, January twenty second they end up hitting a reef. Oh. They're going, um, they're about 11 miles off of Camp, I'm sorry, Cape Beale. This is uh, the Southwest coast of Vancouver Island. They hit this reef and immediately after the collision, there's a massive wave that lifts the ship up off the reef. huh. And then the crew members say there was a large gash in the hole that water just immediately went into. It was something like a foot, a minute of water oh, just pouring into the ship.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So the captain was like, OK, we're going to sink. Let's not sink. Run the ship aground. We're doing okay. it. We're just going to hit. We're going to run the ship aground. We're going to crash the ship because we don't want to sink. OK. Solid.
0: I, I feel like this is a I good I guess plan. if you have time.
1: Right. Let's just get it done. So they drive the ship into the rocks in front of them. And now she's kind of stranded. They can see the shore from where they are. It's less than a hundred yards. It's ninety-one meters. At the time, the captain tells the crew, "Okay, I want you to lower the lifeboats, but only like halfway, not all the way. I just want you to like get them kind of ready." But there was a lot of confusion and panic and running around, and they lowered seven lifeboats into the water, all of them improperly manned. No one is manning them properly. Three of them flip. Oh. um, all of the occupants that were in them uh, fall into the ocean and they're like on a reef and the shore is near them yeah but it's they're, they're getting it, slammed it's cliffs jen
0: yeah they're getting <laughs> slammed into rocks and
1: they're just getting slammed in there they're drowning
0: yeah it's terrible
1: awful the chief freight clerk his name is frank lane he says quote Screams of women and children mingled in an awful chorus with the shrieking of the wind, the dash of the rain, and the roar of the breakers. As the passengers rushed on deck, they were carried away in bunches by the huge waves that seemed as high as the ship's mastheads. The ship began to break up almost at once, and the women and children were lashed to the rigging above the reach of the sea. It was a pitiful sight to see frail women wearing only night dresses with bare feet on the freezing rat lines, trying to shield children in their arms from the icy wind and rain.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So it's not that it's like they ran aground, but they're also just getting hit by these waves. Uh-huh. The women are, can you imagine, just with your child, just like...
0: I mean, it would be better to go out where it's more, the waves aren't like breaking. Right. So at least you could have a chance in those lifeboats. Right. But trying to put a lifeboat out in that kind of, oh my God. It's not going to happen. That's crazy. Yeah. So of the seven lifeboats that uh-huh. were put into
1: the ocean. Only 12 men in those boats made it to shore. I think, I think it was only one boat that made it actually. And there were 12 guys in that boat. Yeah. Three of those men, three of the 12, were washed away by waves after they landed.
0: <gasps> yeah. Holy crap.
1: Uh, the remaining nine uh, scaled the cliffs and they actually found a cable line, mm-hmm. like a telegraph cable line Uh, in the trees and they followed it and they got to the lineman's cabin and they were able to send a telegraph to get help and these nine men they were led by a guy named frank bunker and they were called the bunker party and frank bunker was actually a school administrator or like a teacher and he was going to seattle to like run a school Um, and in the accident and the like initial grounding i don't know if it was like at that time or later Um, But his wife and his children, I think he had two children, they all died.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: When they got to the top of the cliff where they could see the boat, I guess there was some kind of backlash because later on, people were like, how come you didn't get the cable from the Lyle gun that's on board. So a Lyle gun, from what I understand, is basically like a repelling thing. Like, what are those things? You know, like a Batman
0: situation? Like you can throw it up on a cliff and then pull yourself up. And it has like a little hook.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess what they had originally asked those guys to do was like, okay, you guys climb up the top of that cliff. We're going to shoot the gun up there and then we can do a safety line and we can get people off the ship
0: Uh that way,
1: like up the cliff. But I guess they didn't stay to do that. They Maybe just, they
0: look back and it was like, oh, impossible
1: pause. or yeah. yeah. So the ship's bosun. I don't know if you guys remember bosun from a previous episode.
0: Oh, I, 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 I do. The thing with the little. <laughs> 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 uh, the
1: nice. bosun and a crew of volunteers were lowered in the last remaining lifeboat and they were trying to find a safe place to land. So they did find a trail once they landed and a sign that read three miles to Cape Beal. And originally they were planning on trying to do that same line to Uh them, but they were like, this is better. We go to this lighthouse at Cape Beal and we're going to get help. Okay. So it took them about two and a half hours to hike to the lighthouse. And when they got there, they found the keeper and the keeper, I guess in a telegraph or it says phoned. And I'm like, were there phones in 1906? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I don't were, know, right. I don't, I don't, don't know. Seems like definitely there is some kind of communication. Seems like there would be, and they reported the wreck. But because those other guys had already sent a telegraph, it had been passed on to Victoria, British Columbia, that there was this wreck. Megan, yeah,
0: the phone was invented, March seventh, eighteen seventy six. Oh my God, we're we're so bad at I'm bad at history. I thought I was. I was thinking like late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen, but not that early. Eighteen seventy six.
1: Wow. Interesting.
0: Anyway, there you go.
1: Only for rich people and lighthouses. All right. So there were some accounts of people who actually got on that last lifeboat. So they were saying that they were trying to get women and children into the lifeboats and that the women and children didn't really want to get into the lifeboats because they just watched like six or seven of them capsize and everybody die horrible deaths in the water, getting, right. you know, and they're, I mean, I would say, I, I could see where you would think you're relatively safe on this structure mm-hmm. versus in the water, you know, maybe you can't swim. Mm-hmm. It's super crazy weather. I get it. It all happened pretty fast, yeah. it seems like. But some of the, I think they're on the boat actually for like three days. What survivors. Yeah. So there's a little bit more to the story. So there are accounts of people who got off of the boat looking back onto the boat and having these like these women, they were singing like church songs Mm -hmm. and just kind of knowing that they weren't going to make it and still sailing away to try and get help. Right. And the feelings that they had about like abandoning the ship.
0: Well, especially that a bunch of men left women yeah. and children behind. Yeah. That's some that's some guilt right there. For sure. Well so, okay, keep going, because I'm curious, did they yeah. live? I mean some people lived. Oh, no, so, on the boat? The ones we'll, that were we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about
1: Yeah. How it happens. Okay. So once the wreck, this accident information got to Victoria, there they sent three ships out to rescue the survivors. So there was this first one was this very large passenger liner called the SS Queen. And then with her was a salvage steamer called Salvor and a tug called Czar. Love it. I love it. Yeah. I
0: know the tug was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, the tug was good. Yeah. Always good. I'd
1: always get on I'd get on a tug any day. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, there was another steamship that came down called the City of Topeka, which mm-hmm. I was like, man, they named these ships weird names, but it's cool. And that ship was later sent from Seattle. So and the city of Topeka had nurses and doctors and like first aid people. And apparently there were also members of the press that went who were like, you know, with their notebooks and stuff like that. Right, right. And then some seamen on there as well. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to laugh. It's all good. Yeah, because I'm a juvenile. All right. So on the morning of January 24th, the SS Queen got to the site of the wreck. But because of the shallow depth, they couldn't get to the wreck because okay. they would run aground. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of were just out there seeing, right, what was going on. And I read a couple of different accounts that this is when the last lifeboat was launched because I read that the women and children saw this other ship and they were like, we're going to stay here because those people are going to rescue us. Uh-huh. You go in that boat. We'll be here. We're good. Right. So there's a couple different storylines, but I think that seems the most realistic to me. Yeah. As a mother with my child, I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting on that like super.
0: The fancy one. <laughs> the fancy that looks one. like it's not going to crash. Yes. Yeah.
1: So they can see that they can't get to the wreck. And so the Salvor and the Czar end up, going to an area called Bamfield because they want to arrange some people to go over the land to come over to rescue. So they're going to come from the cliff down. Like maybe they're going to drop a line and then they're going to pull people up from the line. Mm -hmm. All right, this is where it is. So this is when people see that they launched the last two life rafts at this point. And so the majority of the passengers were like, we're going to stay because we see the the S.S. Queen. Okay, moving on. Uh, About an hour later, the city of Topeka got there Those three ships showed up about an hour later. City of Topeka gets there. Um, And just like the SS Queen, it can't get there. It can't get to the ship to rescue anybody. So they're just kind of like sitting out there. Nothing is happening. Uh The Topeka just went back and forth in the water for several hours trying to search for survivors. They did come upon a life raft that had 18 men in the life raft. They didn't find any other survivors like in the water. No bodies, nothing like that. And when it got dark, the captain of the city of Topeka called off their search.
0: What?
1: And they left.
0: (gasps) Yeah. But didn't they have smaller boats that they could have like gotten to that boat, the wreck?
1: You know, I don't know. They didn't talk about that in any of the like if they used a lifeboat. Because I would think
0: that they would be like, we should take some smaller boats because it's gonna be shallow. To get over there. But also there's still waves crashing.
1: It's like a very rocky coast.
0: Yeah. So I don't know
1: if they're looking at it and they're like, we just can't. If we do that, these people will die. Yeah. So that second life raft that left, there were the two, right? It did eventually drift ashore and it went to an island in the Barkley Sound. And I read in one account that there were like 10 men on that boat. And then when they got off, two of them washed overboard when they were on the boat and four of them died of exposure on the shore. But then there were four survivors and they were found by the island's native peoples, First Nations peoples, uh, and they took them to a village nearby. I don't know whatever happened to those people. It was just like randomly there was like uh, one of the lifeboats that made it to this area. Wow. And then less than half of them made it. So
0: it's just a bunch of men so far. A bunch of dudes. Yeah. So then they, they dispatch that
1: overland party, basically like a search and rescue team on foot over uh-huh. the land. They get to the cliffs. And they can see dozens of passengers clinging to the rigging. And there's some parts of the Valencia that's not submerged yet. Like it's still above the water. Uh Not long after they get there and they're looking down on these people, the ship like collapses into the water. And the funnel, you know, the thing that kind of sticks up out of the middle of the ship, that's like the funnel area the The where like the steam comes out
0: oh yeah yeah yeah. okay
1: that's the last thing that's sticking up out of the water it collapses into the ocean that was the last piece of the ship that was protecting anybody that was still there and now the the waves are completely washing across the valencia's deck and they didn't have enough lifelines or long enough lifelines i i saw this one video that was like the lifelines that they brought weren't long enough to reach the ship anyway. So they couldn't have gotten those people. Mm-hmm. And so they just sat there and watched as all of the remaining passengers drowned. They were um, slammed against the shore onto the rocks. And then they tried to cling to parts of the ship. They were swept out to sea. Um, a lot of people also died of hypothermia.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: they all they could do was
0: sit there and watch it happen. Man, 1906, Whew, early 1900s. Not getting on a ship in the early 1900s. Uh, no. At all. But kind of no choice. This is true. You know,
1: that was the last of the passengers. Let me just back up. At some point, all of the ships left, all of the rescue ships. Like I know the city of Topeka was the first one to leave. Um, and then the SS queen was like, we can't do anything. Okay, bye. And then just left.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And everybody's on that you know, just seeing them leave. What
0: about, the, what about the captain?
1: I think he went down with the ship. I don't okay. think he left the ship. I okay. didn't read anything specific about him, but I mean, I would make an assumption that he stayed with the ship. Hopefully, I don't know. That's, like, you don't want anybody to die in these situations, but like... But probably. Yeah. 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 So there was a headstone that they put in the area where that overland party was looking down. They mm-hmm. made a headstone, like Bush. a memorial. To mark the remains of the unknown dead. And it is at Mount Pleasant Cemetery in Queen Anne Hill in Seattle, Washington.
0: Oh, I know where Queen Anne is. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Within days of the disaster, they did start an investigation. Into what happened, like why yeah. it happened, um, and actually, President Theodore Roosevelt launched his own investigation. He was like, "We got to find out what happened." Yeah, um, they wanted to do it for two reasons: one was to determine why, and two was to figure out how they could not have it happen in the future.
0: Don't use Which a shield. Don't ship. Use, I can tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> like just
1: well, and it, it came out that like I guess the previous time that ship was out she like ran aground and there was like a hole in in the ship oh my god then i watched this video that kind of explained about is she it the ship didn't have the right kind of like ballast system uh-huh it was just it was a really old not made for travel kind of ship
0: right yeah so only a bunch of guys made it yeah, okay. so the women and children made it, which is, I think, why they did the investigation because everybody was like, mm. this is outrageous.
1: How could you not save women and children? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so no women and children survived. There were only men. I can tell you how many here in a second. They did the investigation from February 14th to March 1st of 1906. And then they published the final report on April 14th, 1906. And they agreed that Um, A number of things caused this disaster. One, navigational mistakes, uh, poor weather, safety equipment was in decent working order, but nobody had done any lifeboat drills before.
0: Ever, never.
1: Yeah. So in the report, it says that the crews of the different rescuing vessels did as much as they could. To help the ship under those circumstances. I think I think there was a lot of people were skeptical about that because there were so many rescue ships and nobody did anything to get closer or figure out something. And even the overland group got some flack because they just didn't have the equipment to save people.
0: Just no one had any good ideas.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I would hate to be in a rescue situation where you just can't. Yeah. That you can't do anything because if you do, everybody's going to die. You're going to die. die. Yeah. Yes. They also decided that, um, yeah, these were all kind of unfortunate coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, An inexperienced captain was also talked about in one of the things that I read. And then the government also felt like there was a lack of life saving infrastructure along the coast of Vancouver Island to be able to help mm-hmm. with any kind of shipwreck. So, there were already two lighthouses but where they crashed was like right in bet- right in between them right. so they were like okay we need another lighthouse over here and we need a life-saving trail and what they ended up doing was put they made this like long trail with these little like cabins kind of along there for um, people to get supplies and gear and whatever they need to be able to help shipwrecked people so it did also recommend that surfboats should be stationed at Tofino and Usaluet, I think I'm saying that right, uh-huh. um, and that they should have a well-equipped steamboat at Bamfield, and the Canadian government set up to build that lighthouse and trail in 1909, and that is the Pachena Point or Pachena, not sure which one. That's the Pachena or Pachena Point Lighthouse, and they finished the trail I think sometime after 1911. There are some estimates on how many people died in the the sinking of the SS Valencia. Some people say it was 117 people, and then other accounts say like as high as 181. But according to the federal report, the official death toll was 136 people. Only 37 men survived, and every woman and child on the Valencia died in the disaster. Jeez. Yeah. In 1933, 27 years after... The Valencia lifeboat number five was found floating in Barkley Sound in good condition. Oh, huh. weird. And it had a lot of the original paint still on it, and the boat's nameplate—that's how they feel. It was still like you could read it. Uh huh. It was good, um, and it is displayed at the Maritime Museum of British Columbia.
0: I bet there's a lot of ghosty stories. So there's there. a lot of ghosty stories. A ton.
1: I do have some, I'm going to tell you a couple of them. Uh, so there's a sister ship to the Valencia. It's called the Caracas that also wrecked December 9th, 1888. It had just arrived on the West coast and I guess it broke free from the tugboat that was tugging the Caracas and ran aground in the Bay of Caracas <laughs> and was declared a total loss. No one died,
0: but it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's a Caracas. It's a Caracas.
1: So there are a lot of local rumors and ghost stories. Six months after the Valencia sunk, there was this local fisherman, uh, Klanawa Tom and his wife. They reported seeing a lifeboat with eight skeletons in a nearby sea cave. So this is in um, Pequena or Pequena Bay. I guess it's this cave that like, you can't really get into it. This is very Goonies. Yeah, super Goonies. So the... Lifeboat was in there, and they could see it, and Uh they could see the skeletons inside, but they couldn't get in to get the boat out. So even this is like another like unsavable situation. They never got the boat out. It's I I don't know if it's still there or what happened, but like you can't go in Uh to get it out. So just it just stays there. there. Yeah, I guess too. The mouth of the cave had a boulder that was in its way. It was reported to be two hundred feet or sixty one meters deep. The cave. Jeez. Yeah.
0: So just bones. They just left them. Yeah.
1: I think uh, what they say is that they thought a high tide might have lifted the boat into the cave's mouth. And then, you know, they couldn't get it back out. Some other local fishermen also reported that they saw lifeboats being rowed by skeletons of the Valencia's victims. Ew. Yeah. When transporting the survivors of the Valencia to Seattle, the city of Topeka, so city of Topeka actually took whatever survivors there were, right? Because mm-hmm. they had the doctors, nurses, whatever. Um, and they were going, you know, to another place, I guess, Seattle. There we go. They're going to Seattle. They saw a, like, kind of a janky passing vessel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were like, oh, weird, that looks like the Valencia. And some of the the people who were on board said that they could see it and it went really close by one side of the ship and they could see like the name of the Valencia and like dead people on board, like skeletons or I don't know. It seems a little fantastical to me.
0: Or did they see like real people but knowing that they were ghosts? Ugh, right? Sailing.
1: Um they do say that when this ghost ship passed the city of Topeka mm-hmm. ship, it also signaled to them, which made it even creepier.
0: Ew. Yeah. Well, I bet there's, yeah, because that's a very horrific death, mm. you know, like yeah. there's got to be some some leftover. Sure. Just juju around there. In 1910, the Seattle Times
1: reported that sailors claimed to have seen a phantom ship re- resembling the Valencia and that they could see waves washing over the ship as human figures held on to the ship's rigging. And then I guess similar operations were reported for years following the disaster. Well, it's a Wikipedia quote.
0: Well, mm. I know you don't believe it, mm-hmm. but it sounds, you know, it just what is it? It's not like a ghost. It's like when something really bad happens and it just it's like something that keeps replaying. Mm. I don't remember what they call it.
1: Just in case you didn't know, you can go visit the wreck. Ew. It's still there a hundred and eleven years later. Um, you can go along the West Coast Trail. About five miles south of Pechena or Pechena Bay, you can still see pieces of the ship that are dug into the coastline. Of course, there are rumors of ghosts. Uh-huh. Um, for sure. Sightings of lost lifeboats rowing to the Imagine just surf. how
0: ghosty. I mean, it's like foggy. Yeah. It's, like, it's like kind of that dark weather time. Right.
1: One of the guidebooks that I read about this area that you can go see, it said, Fair warning, access is difficult and for experienced hikers so don't go if you're not experienced anyway Just don't
0: go it's fine
1: yeah that careful. is uh that is my story of the ss Valenti. i do have an organization to support if you're ready
0: i'm excited that you covered a story from your journeys it was good times we yeah. didn't actually get
1: to go see this particular wreck but we yeah, did but we were still, in the area you were close yeah. enough it was close
0: and you know six years later the titanic sunk oh my god yeah
1: Too many sinking ships. Mm -hmm. All right. So what I chose is the Maritime Museum of British Columbia. And I like some of the stuff that they talk about. So their mission is to engage communities in witnessing and preserving maritime heritage heritages. But they make an effort to talk about the territory that they're located on and the native peoples that are from that area And that they're working with those communities to make sure that they're being respectful and doing, you know, what they need to be doing, which I really like. They have these outreach efforts. Um, I'm just going to read from the website. Since early 2019, we have offered free programming to vulnerable and marginalized groups in the greater Victoria region. We do this with funding provided by foundations such as the Victoria Foundation and the Hamburg Foundation, with operational support from government grants. Museums have the ability to create a sense of belonging and well-being within a community, and more often than not, at-risk populations are the most in need of this. We will work with community partners to assist in providing for people's basic needs like food and shelter, to deliver our programs and services free of charge to help provide for people's need to belong in their community. By providing programming and tours to vulnerable and marginalized groups, we help people integrate back into the community where they can feel that sense of belonging. And I was like, that's really nice. That is really nice. So you can find them at mmbc.bc.ca, because Canada. (laughs) (laughs)
0: mmbc.bc.ca,
1: mmbc.bc.ca gen Jen. <laughs> got it, got it. Um yeah, Maritime Museum of British Columbia. So Sweet. that yeah, that's my story for today.
0: That was great. I
1: hope you enjoyed. It. I definitely stumbled over a lot of things because it's been a month since we did a recording. That's so that's okay. Was Jonathan's fun.
0: gonna clean it up for you. Jonathan, you're gonna be amazing. Jonathan, you have so much work to do. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. We're sorry. It's just we're rusty. <laughs> Super. We're rusty. like an old wooden ship. We're saggy and <laughs> saggy, rusty.
1: Just holes. Just so, need a
0: lot. We need a lot of help. Which
1: just, is just rats in the hair. <laughs> just need to retire. So many. I just we need a lot of vitamin C on the skin. I'm just saying. Just some scurvy. <laughs> so much scurvy. Anyway, so Jen.
0: Oh, yeah, I've been thinking about this, you yeah. know, so I can't really get away from Goonies. Oh, yeah, of course not. I can't. So I was like, OK, well, what were the, like the cool things in Goonies mm-hmm. that they used? Um, I was like thinking of Data and his wasn't his name, Data? Data. Yeah. yeah and his slippery shoes. Mm-hmm. What, are they called? Slippery, slippery shoes. <laughs> <laughs> he said slick shoes. Slick shoes. That's yeah. it. I, it's been a while. Guys. Yeah. Slick shoes. <laughs> yeah. And so. so that's how he got the bad guys to like slip
1: and right? fall. And yeah. Fall.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't see how those could really help you in this situation.
1: Right. Yeah. Slick shoes and a ship shipwreck. Maybe not.
0: Not so much. Yeah. I don't feel like these kids had a damn thing that could help you when you're like crashing against the waves. It's true. And you're trying to hold on for dear life. Yeah. Okay. So the slick shoes. No, no, yeah. yeah. not, not. S- that would have really worked. I'm, I'm trying to think of all his inventions, mm-hmm. you know, of like what would have worked to help these people get off the boat since the dudes just like pieced out. Yeah. And left them. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure they should have just been like, you're getting on this boat right now. Yeah. And just forced them to get on the boat. Just to, like, why are you giving the women and children an option? Yeah. I mean, I know they're scared and it's chaotic, but yeah. just do that thing. And get them on the boat because yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. So I'm picturing, like, okay, so Goonies, if you had, you know, that little kid, that little smart kid, Data, you know, he had a pretty cool invention that I recall from Goonies, mm-hmm. which was when he ziplined yes. from his house into mikey's house yes and broke through the window yes. or the door the, which the screen I'm, door which i'm always was it a screen door it or was a it glass door.
1: so they had a glass door but they opened the glass door just
0: in time oh, he, they didn't open the screen right. door it would have just been just smashed and that would be awful <laughs> that poor little kid <laughs> yeah just tiny cute little kid just mm-hmm. yeah so anyway i'm saying like Maybe a nice, you know, a little zip line action because right. they had the things you could throw. Whatever yeah. those are, like the 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 Lyle, the Lyle gun. The, yeah, yeah. at that thing. There. Do a zip line, mm-hmm. data style, and get off. Get off the boat. Get off the boat. I agree. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They could use some like material, some scarves, something. I'm sure they had stuff. It's 1906. It's possible, although
1: they were describing
0: the women as just being in their
1: nightgowns. Well, then get your bed sheets. <laughs> just right.
0: Use <laughs> just use your nightgown cloth diapers. <laughs> use your night naked naked zipline. I would it doesn't matter whatever it takes whatever it takes. But mm-hmm. anyway, since they couldn't count on those guys to help them, some better dudes. Ugh. Anyway. So data zipline. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Or uh, zipline, you know, a la Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously,
1: you guys should go check out that that, that aged well. Oh yeah, episode of Goonies because they, they talk about. I mean, it's super problematic, but
0: it is so problematic. <laughs> when I think about it now, I'm like, geez. Oh god. Yeah. Well,
1: even when we were watching it in Astoria, yeah. I was like, man, this movie's rough.
0: <laughs> well, that's how it was back then that's how 80s. we rolled in the 80s and 90s for reals anyway thanks Megan. that was a great story You're i'm so welcome. glad you got to go there can i throw in one little sad bit as we're at the end of our episode oh yeah yeah oh but we're not because we're gonna call out some pay treat on oh yeah that's yeah. right yeah we got some new patrons oh, that's good so olivia newton john died today
1: i saw that <sighs>
0: it's real sad i was like my kid's they just don't know who Olivia Newton-John is. Yeah. And I was like, Are you, you've never... I'm like, how have you not, you know, listened to... Because they listen to all these songs. Like, they're like, yeah, what's this song? Material Girl, Madonna? Is Madonna still alive? I was oh, like, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> took me a minute. And then you're like, let me Google it. Real quick. <laughs> I was like, is she?
0: <laughs> no, but anyway. But yeah, Olivia Newton-John, she's just great. Yeah. So good.
1: I did see that she
0: died. So it's amazing. Very it's very sad. So we listened to some... Some Olivia Newton-John songs on oh, the way over here. That's nice. They were into it. A little tribute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were into it. And they were like, have you seen Grease? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they haven't seen Grease. Oh. So I well, guess my... Also, man. not I mean, the greatest
1: movie, but exactly. still.
0: Sometimes I'm like, is this appropriate mm-hmm. for my 11-year-old and my six-year-old? Wasn't Olivia Newton-John in that roller skating movie? Xanadu?
1: Xanadu. Oh,
0: hell yeah. That's her other song. Yes. Yeah. And... And yeah, like at the end, how she just becomes like smoking a cigarette, like super slutty. Right. Like I'm into it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's well, and then you wonder. And she sings Feel My Erection. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We were singing and I was like, (laughs) like, maybe you won't watch this movie yet. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I have to, I have to think about that. But yeah, yeah, eventually they'll watch it. So Megan. Yes. Would you like to... Shout out our new patrons.
1: All right. Let's do it. Here I'm go. excited. Go, you go first. Um, our first Patreon patron, Jesus, <laughs> uh, Miscellaneous. <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. I like that name.
0: Uh, the next one is our very special Annette. Thank you so much for Thank becoming a so patron. And yes. I believe she's all the way in Scotland. Oh, what? Yes
1: we, we love you thank you um our next patron is Corey. Thank,
0: thank you so much Corey. thanks Corey. and finally save the best for last kayla thank you so thank much thank you for being a part of our nature nerd family all of you we really appreciate you to all of our patrons and yeah and yeah thank you so much and uh we'll i guess uh see you next week with some more Fun amazing stories
1: stories absolutely <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're Going to Die
0: Out There is produced by us, Jan and Megan, and edited by Jonathan Pillsbury. We'd love it if you can leave us a five-star iTunes review on Apple Podcasts. You can support us by
1: following on Instagram or Twitter, listening and subscribing wherever you get podcasts or becoming a patron.
0: Check out more on our website at com, where you can see our awesome eco-friendly sponsors and nature nerd artisans page. If you'd like to send us your own stories or episode ideas, you can submit them through our contact form on the website
1: or to our email, you're going to die out there at gmail.com. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.
0: I'm surprised they caught anybody doing anything back then. For real. I mean. Why are people keeping, don't keep a ledger. Seriously. And you could forge like any name. Like I don't know. I mean, what is it? It's just like a piece of paper. If we ever went back in time, we would be the, I mean, just super criminals. Because we would know. We'd be like, you don't even know what DNA is. (laughs) (laughs) So good. We wouldn't be criminals. We wouldn't. We would be like, I think we would be like. Washerwomen. (laughs) possibly but in my dreams we would be like pioneering woman women who like stopped all the like massive um killing and extinction of species yes yeah yeah 100 percent. we could be like we could go around and just murder people who did that we would just and they would never catch us you know what you know what we (laughs) should that's how we would be criminal what we should do if we go back in time is we should create
1: the first toll station Okay. OK, hear me out.
0: OK, I'm Elizabeth. And we just
1: charge insane tolls that nobody could ever pay. So nobody ever goes west.
0: We'll be like, we'll just we'll just put it right outside of England. Manifest <laughs> disappointment.
1: <laughs> Not happening, bros. Just, or like, yeah, just come up with stories that are just like, oh, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't go to that place. It's.
0: We'll build a giant wall, witches. Megan, to <laughs> stop them. <laughs> A huge wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's what we could do. Yeah. we could be like, there's nothing but curses and witches over there. Yeah. All evil and bad. Don't do it. Yeah. I don't feel like it would work. No. People just going to be people. Mm-hmm. Humans are going to human.
1: My son and I have been watching the show. I cannot remember what it's called right now, but it's on. I think it was on Netflix or no, it was HBO Max. And it's about this house that these this couple buys in in England. And um, it's just filled with ghosts. And she has like a near death experience and she can see all of them. And it is hilarious. Oh, it's a funny. It's a funny. It's a British dry humor oh. show about ghosts living in this old house. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. There's like three seasons.
0: I think that it's sounds, just called Ghosts. I think I would love that. I feel like I'm going to love that. It's hilarious. I was thinking about rewatching. Um, what's the vampire one that I love. Oh, What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Their new
1: season came out.
0: What? Yes. I thought they weren't going to have a new season. <gasps> There's a new season. Janna just started. Oh, my God. I forgot to tell you. I'm so... That's what I was thinking I about. It. I knew day. I had a feeling like it was like something spoke to me and is Guillermo. like, you should go You should go watch it again. Yeah. Do it. my God. Good times. I'm excited.